0: out of ko ko paramount. Mai. Ki te ko Tino, Gather up close, everybody. Gather up close, everybody. Kani, Kani, move that body. Kani, Kani, move.
1: Henga kawa nui, henga kawa i roa. mā, oro ma o te ika a mau tiki, tiki a taranga fa fa te monora O tira, kona moana e papaki mai nei, e papaki te moana kiwa, te moana tāpokopoko poko, poko tāwhaki. Ngā tai miti a rehua, te tai o pautini, ngā tai katoa, Nau mai hoki mai, all in one breath e te iwi, no mai hoki mai. Ane, te pāho o taringa, e whakapāho atu nei, i te pokapu.
2: Inga ngā,
1: <laughs> ngā <pokopu>. Okay, <laughs> I'll let you have that one. We're at home, Hoia no from the bustling metropolis, te piki auahi. Tell me to under the auspices of the one and And a shout out to the Mangai Paho, me iri rangi te motu um, te nara mai nei I te kai papa te kato e huama ma o te taringa nei mai hoki mai.
2: Nei mai hoki mai.
1: Te koe te I can feel it. I can feel it. I can feel it. Te, te I feel like the song's before my time. <laughs> it was, but it's a classic, you know. It is a classic. I mean, come on. Michael is timeless. Anna, Anna. <laughs> Hoi anō, no Erica, tēnā tātou i tō huanga kua tāu mai. Anei, ko rangatira, uh, taringa, uh, te puaheiri i tēnei rangatira o tātou kua tāu mai. A me ki, ko te kōrero a te tūi, uh, kino tūi, ki Moerua. Tahi a te tahi te marae, te kuti, ko apanui. Mm,
2: yeah.
1: kai wareware hoki ki te rā tātai o tēnei, ihopu manoa, ara he henati he nāti, a kahuri rā uh, ki te, rohe o, o te kuka kore, ara ko teita ngā hauati. Nō reira teo, takitimui, tēnā koe, naumai, haere mai, ane ki a Taringa, kia ora.
3: Kia ora, kia ora ati, kia,
1: kia koe, welcome to our... Waitangi Special, e te whanau-whanui o Taringa,
3: mm-hmm.
1: episode 22 marima marima kia ora. Ah, ah. si! <laughs> e tika, <laughs> ka pai I always lose count. Hoia no, e mihi ana ki a koe Nai mai naumai, naumai ki te punua pāho Taringa, lovely to have you with us on our Waitangi Special. and e nā, ka whiua ki koe, kia, kia kōrero mai koe. Nō no fea koe, me rā kōrero katoa even though, you know, I did do a bit of a plug. And yeah, that a was a e.
2: really good one.
1: Yeah, you know, if I was MC at Te Matatini, everybody would get a Mines plug like that. Hard so
2: Matatini would probably take another two days longer.
1: Hoi anō, kayako eh? It's uh, kia ora, kia ora And I can say if you were introducing to
3: Matatini, you would not be introducing me. <laughs> I seem to have been the, the in the minority of my iwi that have not been born with that genetic strain. Uh, but oh, Katapai, <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I had the hau no te Tairawhiti Ki the papa Nās pro on a good day The <laughs> <laughs> uh, Of course us down in Uwawa And connecting up the, the Uwawa trifecta Coming over to te whānau And the land of my nanny But uh, also the iwi that has uh, Generously taken me under their korowai And um, invested a lot of time and love In, in me And seeing uh, if this They could get this Tamati to walk on the straight and narrow. And then we have uh finally have connections through Temwana Toy over to Naitirangi And then on my mum's side, I come from Mutineer stock. Uh, so we come from Norfolk Island. Which are the Mukupuna of the Descendants of the Bounty. So I come from my tupina, Ooh, um good. Fletcher Christian, who nicked off with the boat. Yes. And his uh, Tahitian wife, um, known as Moimiti in Hollywood, but known as Moatua to us within a funny. Um and so they also have their own sovereignty battle going on at the moment with the British Crown. So I seem to wow. have a strong DNA in opposition to colonization. <laughs> um
1: that's me. Yeah. I know I don't want to yeah, Kahukiaku Fakaru when I hear the bouncy, I'm watching the movie as a very young boy with my father. But my dad sailed to Norfolk Island when he was, I think he was 14. Him and his wow. cousin sailed there. Yeah. Cool, eh? I think the count my father owned a tow and his cousin 16. Go here, okay, where are Moutere?
3: Wanganui. Ah. I, me oh yeah, sure.
4: Yeah. Mm, yeah. And I
3: remember talking to my nan about it. My nan is Norfolk, born and raised in Tereo, Era uh, And um, I remember talking to her about, you know, this injustice our Tipuna had had suffered uh is basically being called mutineers and treason against the crown and mm. how this was unjust. And <laughs> she sort of laughed at me. Um, mokopuna all inspired by justice and things like that and said it was just a love story. He just wanted <laughs> right. to stay with his missus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't want to go home. And Aye. you know, if you look at winters in England compared to summers in Tahiti and you it's Aye. not a far stretch to see why one might get stroppy when you're told <laughs> to go home.
1: <laughs> 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 well, tēnā kui, Anā ka whiwa hoki ki ake, kei ake tonu te wā, he kiwaha rā nei tāu, he kianga rā nei tāu.
3: I whakaro tēne, and I guess just for me, like tētahi kōrero tēno tata ki ngākau, within... I guess, particularly the hapu at home that are ringatū, there's a saying, I think, you know, he put mai a the kōti, the matua tangata, uh, and it's just short, but it's kept me uh, pretty focused as we've gone throughout the years of working, i tipu ake te pono I te whenua.
1: Kia ora, Ooh. Ooh. Ah, hua.
3: He mama noi te kōrero, <laughs> uh, he, he mama Kita mote na And so I found it real, real easy, particularly when you're sort of knee deep in crown reforms over resource management and stuff, and you're thinking, what does this clause mean and where are we going with this? And you just it's very grounding for
1: me to go back. I tipu ake te pono I te Paiki a whakamarama kwe ki te whanau e whakarongo mai nei he atitikanga o tērā kianga nō no tō whakapono nō no te whakapono ringatu.
3: Yeah, so I guess probably for me a lot of those learnings have come through our tuakana rikirangi and his compositions and things like that because not necessarily everyone in the iwi is beating a track up to his place to sit down and learn 17 More more there where those otherwise might be housed, so he's repackaged them, but within those wayata. Uh, for matatini, while they're for entertainment, they also contain the kura of our iwi. Kia ora. Mm. And you might get it while you're learning it as a young young person, but those things are just there for you to go back to later on and to access, and they might mean different things to you at different times in your life. So in particular, in his way Fakaria Mai Tō that lyric comes up, I te te, pono I te and to remind us that our truth is grounded in Papatuanuku and our truth is grounded in Te tūroa Te Taiao, uh, and we are tangata whenua here and if you're lost or not sure or uncertain you can just kick your jandals off and mm, put your feet in uh, the in the grass uh, or the sand or the, or the river and you can get a connection there all the way back to Hawaii and all the wānanga, Hawaii wānanga that are then available to you that you may not even be conscious of you may not even be a, a, a conscious orchestrator of that connection or that learning. But for me, I find it balancing and something that uh, is always a good uh, reset, particularly thing when things get a bit clunky mm. in life or in a mm. project that you're doing, and you just, you know, mm. particularly in times of frustration, just. Mm. Kia hoki ki te whenua, kia mai it ki te pono it mai. Kia ora.
1: Ah. E pupu ana mm. I might have
3: peaked too early. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
1: and now, why are for this week? I'm like, I'm, I'm totally lost, uh, engulfed um, yeah. in the way of the yeah. mm. Me too. Because me uh, Korongo, Korongo, I eat the I te the Koriro, Mm. imara uh, And it's timely for me, with some of the mahi I'm doing at the moment, say, e tēnā What are we talking about again? I just want to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a good segue there
4: in um, talking about i tipuake te, te pono i te whenua, uh, with regards to your mahi as a lawyer, but within uh, treaty issues. Mm. to hine. Kōrero mai? Uh, kaupapa, e hangaiana ki Ko katoa.
3: <laughs> 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 katoa mahi, that is a uh, kōrero that I take into every bit of mahi that I do and have done for some time. And I have a tamako on my right, YY that was put there by Uncle Mark Kopua that um, reminds me, uh, I asked him to put it on my foot because I was walking the streets of the terrace in Lambton Key and Uh, through parliament and different government departments advocating for the iwi at that point and I just think to him I just really when I get up in the morning and put that foot forward and then every step I take I want to be reminded that that is a connection through to where I belong to underneath all the asphalt and all the traffic lights and all that sort of Mm. stuff that whenua and that connection is always um, there and available to me. So I think uh, for myself and other people, certainly other lawyers would have other ways of, uh, I guess, professional self-care and your own ethics. Uh, but for me, it's really captured a lot in that all because it doesn't overcomplicate things for me. Um, tikametepuno, or those are the things that we just get jumped into <laughs> at <laughs> a young age. Thetiko metepono, people ask for lots of complicated codes of conduct and those sorts of things to dress up legal words around things often, but sometimes the best answers are the most simple. And so in all of the work that I've done, particularly when you're dealing with the crown who have their own narrative. Perhaps that's the biggest thing I've learnt now that I've been a lawyer in this field for far too long. Oh, heka. just trying to count up the years now, <laughs> nearly 28 years.
5: Mm.
3: So in all of that, you get thrown a lot at you that is contrary to that cordial and tries yeah. to have you believe that pono is sourced somewhere else. Mm. and uh, law making is sourced somewhere else and the authority for law is sourced somewhere else and a lot of times you get that thrown at you in 101 different ways throughout the day as a lawyer, um, particularly when you're like me working as a lawyer and somebody else's system, a, a system that's been imported here so uh, I guess in that when I'm playing colonial lawyer which is different to indigenous law of course and so in that in that space, um, that court it'll comes through all the time and it comes through again with treaty jurisprudence and things when you're talking about the treaty because of course that I grew up I think probably in, a, in an Aotearoa that uh, a lot of others my generation grew up in where you were, if you might have got two weeks, a week maybe in social studies about the mm-hmm. Treaty of Waitangi, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that starts off probably with a picture of the Endeavour, yeah. In mm-hmm. the social studies textbook, that the social studies textbook I learned from at school was written the year before I was born. Wow. So anyway, but by the time I got to high school, we were recycling, reusing, and all that sort of stuff. But it's the continuation of a narrative, right? And it's flawed. And so you get this picture of the endeavor, and then you, they sort of talk about the coming of the British. And then they say the Treaty of Waitangi was signed on the 6th of February, 1840. Full stop. Next sentence, which almost inevitably mm. follows, is the Treaty of Waitangi is a treaty of cession.
5: Mm. It
3: ceded sovereignty to the crown. And right about there is where Itsepuake te, te Ponoite whenua kicks in yeah. and says hang on is that consistent with the truth I know, is that consistent with my tipunas truth, is that consistent with our Wayata, with our haka, with our Fakairo? Uh, with those things that actually resonate and have grown from this land. And about then you start to scratch and say, no, that's not consistent with our truth whatsoever. And in fact, it's not consistent <laughs> with the evidence in, on the papers either. So it's a good reminder and a good anchor point, but especially when you're in the minority uh, which I have often found myself in my career also, <laughs> where you might be the only person advocating that within a room of, you know, sturdy crown officials or industry leaders or whatever, and they're telling you one thing is an absolute truth, an absolute colonial truth, and you have to recall, no, no, hang on. Koe, te waha, you have an obligation to at least put on the record that there is more than one truth in play in this room.
4: Kia ora. Mm. So you said um, when you learnt in social studies, it was the 6th of February, 1840, signed in Waitangi. However, there must be a different perspective as to the perspective of your iwi and clients or the people yeah. you've represented. How te tirohango kite Hey tirohanga what's the perspective of the treaty from your point of view, uh from the people that you've represented, or your whānau, or your Hapu and Iwi that you've represented?
3: Yeah, and in, in regards to Uponui, which I suppose I have, you know, can call it all about with a bit more clarity. In Apunui we say he tapu. Te tiriti. Kia ora. He Mm. So it is a sacred relationship between us and another party. And we honor the Tipuna who signed that on the 14th of June 1840 down in Maraitai, uh, just by Takar, and we named them. We name our kids after them. <laughs> we we keep their, their kōrero alive in waiata and those sorts of things. And then, of course, you'll see uh, through our iwi history has been the strong influence of Te too, but also Te Kotahitanga. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the kōrero coming through, the Kotahitanga movement, particularly in the waiata of Twininawa and those sorts of things are very instructional about uh, one of Kokatwini's Twinis, Waiata Te Kotahitanga, her last, paragraph is Te o Waitangi, o o Māori e. So it's about I guess being true to a long thread of narrative that is ours and not accepting necessarily that somebody else came along on a particular date with a different perspective and a different agenda and has the ability to upset and unrest and call into question all of your oral tradition uh, there's value in that in that that uh, is tied very closely in with our dna in our subconscious so to um to put that down and believe what we're being asked to believe around these colonial fictions that serve a different agenda what i would call a crown supremacy agenda where the crown mm-hmm. is the ultimate authority in in single authority of the land to be asked to accept that is actually to be asked to put down all of that history that's gone behind you and put down those things that are so deeply coded in fact into our DNA and into our subconscious that you find if you do put those things down and jump into this it's a treaty of session we gave it all away to the crown and it's our bad luck that we have not survived or thrived in that scenario you see we actually create an internal conflict within our own beings, what our tipunas' truths were and, and what we're being asked to subscribe to. And so I guess it doesn't always <laughs> make you popular amongst <laughs> your peers or uh, amongst those that are committed to a treaty obsession and a crown supremacy world. But for me, that is as much self-care as anything else to say I will be true to my tipuna. Uh, In a way that champions their truth. Because see, what people are asking me to believe, if we say on the 6th of February or 14th of June 1840, wherever it was signed by your your tīpuna around the country, that that was a treaty of absolute cession to the Crown and we didn't retain any right or authority to ourselves. What they're asking you to believe, and this is a kōrero that Juana Jackson is very strong about, is that up to the 5th of February 1840, our tīpuna defended the territory and the territorial integrity of te whānau from te taumatoa apanui to portikirua. and anyone that came within those boundaries, we would defend the integrity of those boundaries, we, mm-hmm. um, we're often at war with our, our relations um, <laughs> on the Nātipurao side, but also some people who came to transgress our seaward boundaries to come in and, and give our whanaunga their beans and stuff like that. They're asking us to say our tīpuna would defend with their lives, absolutely, our territory and our mana up until the 5th of February, but somewhere miraculously overnight, I don't know if it was a big party at Waitangi or what, what they're trying to have us believe. They woke up on the 6th of February and said, meh, can't be bothered now. You to yeah. have it. Yeah. Mm. Mm.
4: Seed, seed. Nah. Yeah, now
3: that's just not believable to me. What that's asking me to believe is that my tīpūna were stupid and that my tīpūna were idiots. And I know without a doubt that's not the case. They outstripped me in terms of intelligence a hundredfold. They were... They were operating on a different level uh, a lot of the time. And so I can't and won't believe that that's the case, that we miraculously had some sort of shift, major tectonic shift in our worldview altogether overnight on the 5th of February or in Apunui on the 13th of June and woke up the next morning and said, we think actually this is, we're not going to do this anymore. We mm-hmm. we just we don't you know we don't mind about everyone else coming in and stampling all over our money. We'll just we'll just mm-hmm. Like it's mythical that that would happen. I mean we got scraps we, you know, named the 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 beaches and the rocks and different events throughout the iwi over scraps and skirmishes uh with our neighbors and stuff over time or intermarriages, you know, up on his border with Naitai uh well it has been contentious in the past. About <laughs> the time where our Tipuna Apunui married uh, the sisters, Tefaki and Tekohipare, all of a sudden you create a little monaco kind of situation where uh
1: right, yeah. yeah, yeah.
3: Naitai are left in their own integrity by a big Tefatohe on one side and Apunui on the other. Because yeah. there's these strategic intermarriages. Yeah, true. And so those sorts of things are how we we did things. We certainly didn't sign a piece of paper and say, Naho, here you go. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, some of it's just fanciful. And it's one of those things that you repeat the fiction enough times and then you layer other things on that fiction and you create textbooks and you people don't stop and question it. You know, and it just becomes layered on. And so people have in the past obviously stopped and questioned it, and back in the Kotahitanga days and other movements that have popped up over time and things like that. But I think it is up to us to continue doing that in our generation rather than accepting it.
2: Yeah, wow. I remember when you gave us that amazing presentation, and we were talking about the East Coast version. It talked about that the iwi and hapu would actually retain all of their tāonga, but I n- I remember you saying that not all the other versions say that. They are
3: all slightly different. I quite like ours because it's kind of like the grand trifecta of all of you know the different variations that are sitting out there. So where some people might have got full and undisturbed position or full and exclusive position, we got the word in full. Uh, Exclusive and undisturbed (laughs) So I sort of felt like there was a doubling Doubling down on that Uh, But the bottom line is they just didn't have Xerox machines back in those days (laughs) Kids probably don't even know what they are They didn't have scanners, kids uh, Back in those days (laughs) And so somebody had to sit up a waitangi And write them all out by hand And I don't know, you know, if he was well paid or not or what, but he sat up throughout the night and copied out the different versions of Te at that point. And then they were sent, you know, sort of often by horseback or by boat around the country. So they're all a little bit different. There wasn't spell check and grammar check and those sorts of things back in those days. But here's part of the issue. Article 1 talks about the recognition of an authority, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't create an authority, and it's really important for us to remember that Te Tiriti o Waitangi doesn't create anything for us. Mm. It, it recognises rights that already existed. Kia ora. Mm. Kia ora. We didn't need the crown here for all the generations before 1840 to create a full system of hikanga and education and those sorts of things. We were functioning full societies before they came along. And that is not disputed. Every historian, Pāgāua or not, will tell you that. We were fully functioning societies in our own right. So the first article recognises a type of authority. The issue for the British Crown and now the New Zealand government is it does not displace the sovereignty that is already here. Kia ora. Mm. Kia ora. It doesn't say the Crown have got something and therefore now you Māori don't. What it does say is that it will recognise, and this is part and parcel, they say of the history of what unruly settlers were up to and those sort of things, does create an authority for the British Crown in respect of their subjects here. The fiction that's been told is that's a treaty of session and you you had your mana all intact 5th of February 1840 and then woke up 6th of February 1840 and gave it all away and now we've got it all. That's the fiction we've been asking as... What they called in law school the orthodox theory of the Treaty of Waitangi, which I thought was (laughs) perverse and insulting. But anyway, nevertheless, it's the Crown and Crown Department's version of it. So what they do is they take that very simplistic and, in fact, wrong interpretation of Article 1 and they say, we're going to call that absolute. And they often stop reading the treaty there, even though it's only a (laughs) two-paragraph thing. They just get too lazy to keep reading and what you must see is Article 2, which fetters all of that and creates a limit and a restriction on that. Because Article 2 is what an international law would be called territorial rights. So Article 2 says for us in the version that we signed an Apanui, it shall be guaranteed to the hapu, to the rangatira of nahapu hapu. So it's centred at a hapu level, not an iwi level, not a PSG level, not any... Other macro level at a hapu level because that's where the authority mm-hmm. was being exercised at the time. And Apunu, we've kind of stayed pretty hapuized. Mm-hmm. Um, so they talk about being guaranteed unto the rangatira of the hapu full, exclusive, and understood possession of our lands, forests, fisheries, kainga, and all other tau. So witty, witty, really. witty, eh?
2: witty.
3: Like that's a bloody good deal. Mm. Yeah. I'll, I'll take that you. That's awesome. I'll sign and it. And inconvenient for the Crown that Article 2 is sitting there like that. And one of the best bits of Article 2, which is often <laughs> knocked off and forgotten about, is the phrase at the bottom of that article, which says, for as long as they shall wish to retain them.
1: Kia ora. ora. ora.
3: Two positive, I think, two positive obligations that come from that. One, a positive obligation on us is mokopuna to say, your tīpuna just ring-fenced all these huge rights. And if you think of everything that's in the definition of kainga, everything that's in the definition of taunga, they've ring-fenced them and said, guaranteed unto you absolutely, full, exclusive and understood position. So there's a positive obligation on us is mokopuna not to say, we don't want to retain them, Mm. to surrender (laughs) accidentally or on purpose our rights to retain them. And the other positive obligation I think that creates is on the Crown to say, when you're coming in here thinking you're going to regulate our land or our moana or our fisheries or our people, you need to show where in history we've said we no longer wish to retain that right because I can't remember when our we did that. Can
1: you?
3: We asked them to point to that. You show us the time when Tefano Aponui, as a collective, came to you and said, You know what? You fellas regulate the fisheries. We don't want to regulate that anymore. And we expressly say that. You show me when that happened. And I, as a mokopuna, if you had that evidence, would have to say, Oof. Okay, hang on Because <laughs> mm-hmm. you're bound by the collective As much as anything But the reality is the Crown can't show that evidence Because it never happened What it means is that somewhere along the line Which is always the case In my experience Somewhere along the line The Crown have assumed that right To regulate that estate Not we've given it to them Not that we've expressly said We no longer wish to retain it But rather they've jumped in and said Well we think under Article 1 and we're like, hang on, tell what, tell So yeah, for me it it really regularly comes back to the si te te whenua because Kyo I ra. understand the simplicity of that truth that comes mm. from the earth.
4: Dale, I want to throw a curveball here. Of course you do. (laughs) I'm a non-Maori and I want to know in plain sight, where are the benefits of me or New Zealand Government honouring the Treaty and its absolute principles?
3: Well, first of all, I'm going to tackle my pet peeve before I answer the question. I don't believe in the principles of the Treaty of Waitangi. It's a bullshit invented by the Crown and continued to be perpetrated throughout, throughout, throughout. So it's a colonial fiction. So as I've said, like with the wording of Te Tiriti o Waitangi, full exclusive and undisturbed possession for as long as they shall wish to retain them. It's simple, right? We can understand mm-hmm. what that means. Nah, right. <laughs> what happens is that becomes inconvenient for the crown because then they have to deal with you as an authority on your land. So they say, well, hang on, hang on. The words don't really work for us. And very quickly tapped into a Mori mindset and said, why don't we talk about the spirit? The way the way of the treaty, you know, the vibe that it gives us about partnership. So why don't we say it's a partnership? (laughs) 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 Because it's like the legal contract. You know, someone comes to you with a legal contract, and, and a treaty is really a legal contract of international sort of implications in terms of between sovereign peoples, right? So You come down into a basic contract law, and someone comes to you with a guy who's got a contract written down and says, this guy over there is breaching the contract all day, every day, and I want to cancel it. And you've got to be his lawyer, and you walk into a meeting with the other side, and the other side says to you, look, we know we're breaching that all over the place, but could we we just go with the spirit of it? (laughs) But that doesn't work In contract law Which is sort of where some of that that Jurisprudence comes from So I'm like, no, no, I don't need to go to the spirit of it Because the words suit me just fine Mm -hmm. I understand the words They're in your language and in mine In both ways They don't help you they help the truth that I've been raised to believe. So that's the first thing is I don't, and, and government's obsession with the principles, because what they do then is then they say, where we had a dual authority, or in fact, more than dual, because Māori went all lumped in together. We were autonomous hapu, so, right, so right. it's hmm. multilateral treaties. So where we had multiple authorities in this country, they say, actually, should we just smush that into and call it, partnership
4: yeah and use all maori yeah yeah
3: and then we talk about full exclusive understood position so the crown as you know have reduced that right down over modern years to the right to be consulted uh, and very often your consultation is ignored anyway they go ahead and do it that's not full exclusive and understood position. Well, the fullness of our rights and interests and obligations is contained in the actual wording, not in the principles. Yeah, that's sort of where I have some of the issue with the crown obsession with the principles because they suit them, but they're mm. not us. The words suit us just fine. And I'm like, get back to the original contract you signed. It said full exclusive understanding. Mm. Mm-hmm. Now, what benefit is there for them? One, it would legitimize their right to be here if they properly honored Tesla White Thing. Because on the one hand, the crown want to say to us, it's not legally binding, you know, actually, now that now that we think about it. It's really just, you know, it, it's it's the spirit of the nation, part of the fabric of the nation, but it's not technically legally binding. But it's like, well, then you've got no authority to have Houses of Parliament or to regulate anything. The mm. Crown gets all of its legitimacy mm. from that document. So if they want to say it means nothing, I'm like, well... You can't have it both ways and say it means nothing, but then it anchors your authority to be here.
1: Then <laughs> Yeah,
3: so with that, I would say if they properly honoured Te Tiriti o Waitangi, they could be world leaders in legitimising their actual right to be here and on the basis that was properly given by the Indigenous people. Uh, second of all, I think in a world where we're coming up to massive climate change disruption, massive economic system disruption that we're seeing at the moment, Indigenous lifeways and worldviews are going to be what everyone is clinging on to in the future. And in fact, they've already started it in Mm -hmm. multiple places around uh, countries governments, including ours around the world, are starting to tap into this idea of an indigenous worldview and what could it mean for how we do things better. So they'll come to mine our intellect for that soon. Uh. They are doing that already now. Yeah. Well, what we're saying to them is you can't have the mātauranga without the Tanga underpinning it. Uh, that's not a discussion we're prepared. because, again, it's just pickpocketing. It's pickpocketing an oppressed people (laughs) to save a system that we never really agreed to in the first place. So I think there's massive moral and spiritual benefits. That's probably not going to be a huge motivator in a commercial world. But I also think there's massive environmental and humanitarian benefits globally in Indigenous peoples taking decision-making lead on these massive kaupapa that affect us.
1: Wow. The
3: population is changing so fast that very soon, if not now, their mokopuna Māori or will be Māori. Mm.
4: Ai, when they become mm. the minority.
3: They are going to become oppressors of themselves and their mm. descendants if they don't uh, sort equity out in a proper way. Like a, It's going to take a courageous, courageous move to do that. But it's going to be up to us, one, whether we shy away from it as a country, or two, for Maori, Māoridom, whether we insist on it. And I have to be honest, some of the insisting has quietened down over the last few years. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've become a comfortable but stroppy sort of minority, but not as stroppy as you used to see when we got the big changes that came after the land march Mm -hmm. and those original New Zealand Māori Council cases. Uh, Incidentally, one of them was taken over te Te Reo and um, created, of course, you know, what then became um, some push for equitable funding, Tauda and stuff like that. But the big uh, legal issue in play there was defining te reo as a tonga. So those that mm. are old enough or remember back in those days, we all had the bumper sticker, "Tongue taonga te and um, those sorts yeah. of things. And that is because up until that case, in international law, Tonga had never been asserted as being intangible
5: I uh, yeah. mm, the people yeah.
3: had thought it was Korowai and Mere and mm. namu and those sorts of things or different houses that had been taken around the world to museums and stuff like that and Māori said, no, no, we think te reo is endangered and we think it is a Tonga." And so if they were able to get it defined as a taonga or within that definition, they could advocate for some prediction for it. And that's exactly what they were able to achieve with the Privy Council case, to have it declared legitimately within our definition of taonga. See, that's another thing about the narrative Mm -hmm. and controlling the narrative and reclaiming the narrative is we must not let other people define our terminology for us. I had a young young Crown lawyer not long ago say to me almost apologetically in a meeting I said that he didn't think that's what te auranga o te meant (laughs) and I respectfully said he may not be the best authority on that and what was included in the definition or not if he couldn't even say it properly (laughs) Uh, but the issue for me is they were trying to legislatively define something they didn't understand Mm -hmm. And it's like we've got to stop letting them do that and we've got to stop letting our truth kind of get swept away in that. So, yeah, we've been having some interesting language discussions because they're about who controls the narrative that goes alongside these things. And I firmly believe now, and this might be uh, a realisation probably in the last five years for me, but an Indigenous nation who is not actively investing in its artists and its composers and its storytellers and the keepers of the narrative
4: mm.
3: will n- not seriously be able to be on a track towards self-determination. Mm. And self-determination is going to require our prioritisation of that class of people because it's essential to the mental apparatus that is required to hold rangatiratanga. You have to believe in it. And you can't believe in it until you've got all the contextual or and narrative around it. And so definitely I think the prioritisation of the investment in, in our artists, and our storytellers, our songwriters, our haka composers, those sorts of disciplines uh, is really, really important. And the curriculum builders, of course, is getting into the subconscious of our people and our kids because that's how it got taken out. Because we took out e pātō and all the richness of the kudo inside that. And that was replaced with Humpty Dumpty and Jack and Jill. <laughs> bit, and Goldilocks, which is the ultimate sort of case of white privilege, where she just rocks on into someone's house and starts <laughs> helping herself. <laughs> and then <laughs> moaning about how comfortable the was. But those sorts of, we get, we get fed that and it's a swap out. So what we have to do is consciously invest in the regeneration of those things. And we have to do that if we've got any hope in making political headway because otherwise it's just a a thin facade that we're saying we have these rights, but we actually haven't got a whakapono that puts the weight of 100,000 tipuna behind it. And that's what we need. We need the belief in that and it's our storytellers and our poets and uh, those people that generate and regenerate and Reinstill those things in us it's woefully needed at a time like this and I don't think I could stress that enough Like how important that is and I'll tell you how important I think it is I've been doing some research <laughs> in pursuit of the elusive PhD which you know never gets <laughs> time on my dance card so yeah, I might just hang around till I'm old enough to give me an honorary one <laughs> <laughs> another 28 years
4: another yeah 20 years. yeah how
3: long till they start yeah but Part of my PhD research has been in the design architecture behind colonisation. And where we are in 2022 as the people or as groups of people, groups of hapu, groups of iwi, we are not here by accident. We are here by design. We're here by absolute design. We're not here by moral inferiority or some sort of genetic inferiority. We are here by an architectural design in colonisation that was rolled out according to a template across multiple different countries. So uh, some of the text of our treaty can be seen as the same phrases that's used in treaties in the Congo, the African Congo. And then you've got uh, Canada, Australia, America, Mm -hmm. the the four Um, buddies, Basically, shared stories. And this is not unknown, or it's not like some conspiracy theory of God. (laughs) Uh, One of the the major architects of all of that back in the day was a guy, Edward Gibbon Wakefield, who Wakefield Street in Wellington is named after multiple other places. He was physically going between Canada and New Zealand, swapping the strategic notes and holding one right, right, on how to do this, right, how to right. colonise. There's a book entered into the Westminster Library around that same time entitled How to Colonise, and right. it's a blow-blow-blow account. of wow. What well, you should do. Now, the first thing they do in every country they've been to colonise, the British, is they take out the poets, the storytellers, the spiritual leaders, all Suppression Act. The Hunger Suppression Act. And it's not about how many people are persecuted under that or who went to jail or whatever. It's about the moral chilling Aye. and putting some sort of tapu on our own stories and saying enough of that, being native and being savage, here's the new world. And they often did that on the back of a Bible, unfortunately. Ooh. call it toxic Christianity because it's not the same as Christianity, which of its own right, You may not have an issue with Mm. But politically powered Toxic Christianity Is something quite different Where they've used Christianity As the sort of Tail to get them in the door And then swap out narratives
1: That was the waka The waka Mm.
3: It definitely was So it's an intentional Design architecture Then that we have to be Strategic about How to deconstruct And if they took Our poets And our storytellers And our tohunga first We must replace them and reinvest in them first because it's a massive mm. clue that they target the psyche before they got the land. And they did that very cleverly in New Zealand where they wow. got us to the point where we were almost colonising ourselves in the land courts, and you see that even in today's circumstances, because we're bought into the system and they got us to buy into the system because they replaced our mental and emotional loyalty to one worldview and swapped it out with another. Now, they did that over successive generations. In New Zealand, it happened faster than it's happened nearly anywhere in the world, the pace of it, because they'd got good at it by the time they got here and well-versed in how to do it. So you see, even in Aperana days, when they're talking about um, curriculum changes e at and stuff like that, already they started to talk about, like, you know, from 1856, there's debates in the House of Lords about this all the way through to quite modern examples. Um, And why we've sort of said, oh, you know, things like kura kaupapa and kohanga reo can't be about a translated Crown curriculum. They have to be genuinely a return to our curriculum Mm -hmm. and the champion of our our worldviews, our atua, our kaitiaki, um, our natural rhythms, and those sorts of things, because that I think is the strength behind any political or legal fight we can have.
4: Nui atu te
1: pai ngā korero I'm ready for my board meetings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> A new fire. You're fired up. Well, it's just, you know, like, I mean, you're talking, I mean, Irotoi taku nga e mohiwa nao. But you've kwa puho taku tiziro ki taku e tautoko nai, irunga inga puari e noha nao. And for me, it's another way, another perspective to offer some of my fellow board members. Kia ora. It's been a great reset for me, to be um, honest. Uh, rero. I do have a party, but also
2: want to agree with Parone. I too, like your Kore has got me fired up. <laughs> Yeah. In a good way, mm. in a good way, charged. But okay, what would it mean for the treaty if all of a sudden we
3: turned into a republic tomorrow? New Zealand will still, whether it turns into a republic or not, or, or you know, severs its ties with the Commonwealth or not, we'll still need to wrestle with the moral underpinnings of our nation. And if we try to rush that and become a republic without doing that, we're just going to invite the same issues we've got right now. They will be unresolved. Mm. And so we still need to wrestle with that. Some people have said turn the Treaty of Waitangi into a piece of law. A lot of people don't want that because it would come under the authority or the manner of parliament, which is problematic, oh, cool. it sort of currently sits outside that and probably still should. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think probably one of the greatest. Um, Talking about going into board meetings and those sorts of things, sometimes I feel a little bit, have been felt felt a little bit at odds about claiming that space or wanting to claim that space in terms of our own truth and stuff like that. Because sometimes it's really difficult to look around and think, but why don't we believe in us?
1: Kia ora. Why don't we believe
3: in our own mātauranga? We sing about it. We sing about it and we uh, and we haka about it and we have all these repositories of knowledge that we we are now I fear interacting with at that very surface kind of level instead of kia ruku honu. And if you think if you believe in yourself, in our rangatiratanga and our legitimate right to it our legitimate right to it, then it's a matter of inside those day-to-day meetings where it might just be about a governance board for this trust or that trust or whatever to say, But why do we do that? And why are we doing it like that? But is that us? And uh, we've just this morning, in fact, had a major reset of one of our work streams. It was just it just by the swamp it ended up in at the end of last year. It just became really crown captured. And it mm. was time for us to go back <laughs> to the hour, literally, mm. and, and put the feet in the hour and just and, and say, hang on, mm. this is a simple relationship and I am entitled to it. I'm entitled to the relationship mm. all the way through my being, through my wairua, through my Modi, everything, through my feet, into the funeral, all the way back, the super galactic, super highway back to Hawaii. It, it, the Hawaii within me and all the wananga that come with Nakede Mata all the all of our um, you know, the stories Uncle Mark and all them sit around talking about and stuff like that. It's like it's rich and it's beautiful and that's what we have to offer ourselves before we offer it to the rest of the nation. I, I understand why we've got to a point where we don't have masses of the population that feel comfortable believing in that because that is part of the architecture of colonization, mm, but that's why that. the investment in the shift away, so, that all that's going into your kids' ears all day is the songs from from uh, Macy or Rob or whoever that are reaffirming, and you know, those returns to our own truths are simple but effective acts of resistance in our own right. Mm-hmm.
1: Tēnā rawa atu koe, kai te rangatira, uh, kua rangatira taringa i akoe, and Erika, ynei, you know, angana jump in there, aha koa Republic, uh, ka ŵtonu rā nei ki te krauna, i runga i te kōrero nei, i tipu wake te pono i a uh, kai reira, te whakautu ki tau pātai. Ko tini mano tātai i muri, kei runga, kei roto kairunga a tātou, kei ka i a tātou, aha koa Republic Aqua a Krauna, kare tērā mana, tērā tapu e pātaihia, kare hoki e waimeha uh, i roto e rātu āhuatanga. Uh, nore raka mihi ki a koe, pírangi au ki a haere toni nā kore. Oi o hoki. Engari, e mihi ana ki a koe, uh, kai te uri o te rāwhioro, uh, o ti rā uh, te mokopuna uh, poraurangi te mātāta rāwhare tuhi maarekura rauru, a koto fuan ga tenne a mihinei kyaku e a panuite na kapai teru goi ga inga ingo o tawa o tefaki o tekore pare a ko tainui inwi wakate ne mihinei a toko to koto e fukama na a hoki no ne a nanara a tato i fakatsui takki a kiare re a in e pana E pāna ki te mana o te Māori hanga yeah, yeah. te Tiriti o Waitangi Ko te mana o te Māori Ko te ora o te Māori Ko te mana o tātou mātua tūpuna I roto i a tātou Nō reira, e mihi ana ki a koe mātou Tokotoru o tira Taringa Whānui Me ngā rima te kaumano Te rima te kaumano tāngata Ka whakarongo ki a Taringa E mihi, e mihi ana ki koe tēnā koe
3: Kia ora. Oh well, mihi atu ki koe te tā. Kia tātou mō um, tēnei kōrero to have a trust in ourselves and our tipuna and to have a belief I think is the is the strongest way for us to start a year. Piki mena te that for me is probably my my take home after this many years of practice in this space is uh, we got to hold our own. We have to absolutely hold our own. And that's an easy thing to do uh, once we get used to doing it.
1: Tēnā koe. Tēnā koe, Tuhine.
3: Au oh, wahi ana.
1: Irunga itera kōrero e te iwi. ko te wairua o tērā kōrero maranga. Maranga. Irunga ah, itera i, I tērā, anei tātā tai waiata, tā Aotearoa maranga, whakarongo mai.
5: Freedom from oppression, cause that's what my people need
4: you know that guy's a judge now? Justice Joe
1: Williams, that was singing. Judge Dread. Oh. And did you know the other one singing in there is Te Rangatiro Te, o te Reo Māori? Koe So from the
4: arts to some high-powered places. That's what I want to nail was the point that she made. How important our arts are to be socially valued. And I thought she raised a really good point because even myself, you start turning towards corporate things because... You believe that that's a way for the future of our people. However, it's still in our arts. Our arts Ooh. mean haka, tamoko, where they where they romanticise, but they're not very valued. I mean, how many of us like ask a bro, or a fanonga to make them a carving or a taonga, but they don't treasure it as much as they would buy, I don't know, a handbag for Italy. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you'd pay a stranger to come build your deck or whatnot. Yeah, yeah, a ah, heart out. There's so much
2: to take away from that, especially like the bit at the end. And I think we should reframe Waitangi Day to uh, believe in our tipuna slash believe in ourselves day.
1: Yeah. It was a reinvigoration of some things that have been uh e moiana i roto i oku whakaaro, And reaffirming, it was just great. It was good timing for, for me, i tēnei wā o te tau. Ai. Mm. Mo because that's uh, the, yeah. the same thing for me.
4: And it is true, it's true generationally, a lot of us, or oh, I know I have, we've been lucky recipients of some big movers and shakers, and she talked about people getting. She didn't use complacent, but that's the same sense I get. Nah, it was. And you know that is just another reminder, bro. What is your thing? You know, not a major responsibility, but you know, and what's your how how rane tokova? What's koha? your contribution? What's your
1: contribution? Yeah. So that was mean. That was that was massive. Oh you know, I'm looking forward um e hoa ma, to going back and listening to that one. Yeah, but when I yeah when I go to the gym and I hit the gym, I think it'll be. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Re-invigorating. Like, oh man, he's <laughs> listening to some hardcore stuff. <laughs>
4: <laughs> and so yeah, you guys might be traveling again to go to various places for for Waitangi or just to be with whānau, have a discussion with your whānau. You know, we've got really intersecting whānau these days. You know, there could be a lot of guilt coming up. There could be some things that you didn't know about yourself. You know, one of the pātai I wanted to ask Dale was, what are the benefits for Māori having a treaty? So perhaps that's a question you can ask yourselves and you can have a around a barbecue or while you're
1: diving or while you're driving to your destinations. Mm. Yeah, or just uh, having a whining with yourself and internalising a lot of the corridors that came out. It didn't hurt.
4: Kauora,
1: erere yeah. e tonu ana mahi ki aho o kia tata e rua ma e ora kato ana tuku ngā kai oita noho tahi. Ite nei ra, ah, uh, ite nei te rangi, I muri tonu mai ite fa ana tangamai o tahu po tiki wera na te rua marima o hanuere ana hanga tonu ana ah uh, ana nei. Uh, whāinga anaki ngā kōrero i puta i te rānei. Mm. No reira, koutou e ngā morehu, ngā mihi hoki kia koutou, me ngā iwi whakarongo mai ki tēnei hōtaka o taringa if you're in a taringa huruhuru, which <laughs> I'm going to rebrand as someone that's been listening to taringa I. for a while. Ko cool. <laughs> eu. He taringa huruhuru, uh, he taringa ho rānei. Uh, e mihi ana kia koutou, ko mātou, e nei, e mihi Miki, toko whā, kei konei hoki a mōkina, te tangata, kei muri, te tua rā, mm. uh, o te kaupapa, e mihi atu kia koutou, tēnā rā, koutou katoa, heiko nā, mai rā. Heiko
2: nā.
0: Holdy the force relevant papa out of cope paramount up papa heat everybody get the rock close everybody move that body move that
2: body he mea tuku nga te o paho To listen to more episodes, search for us on your podcast app and subscribe or follow us on Instagram and Facebook.
5: Taringa, Fakarongo mai.